Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show and the show is for anyone that has a super strong passion for making others, making people healthier in this world. And along those lines, I have on the show today, Randy Ostra. So Randy is the president and CEO of ProMedica, which is a health and well-being company. He's going to tell you more about his background, what he's doing, but I'm not going to steal his thunder. Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. It's uh, great to be with you. Great. I, I'm super excited you were able to peel off some time from your, your busy schedule to, to, to ground and sit sit with me here to, to do this. And um, as you know, love origin stories. Uh, I would love for you to, to teleport us back and tell us a little bit about your origin story uh, or said another way, what led you to become the person you are today? Sure, happy to do that. And uh, you're very persistent on LinkedIn. That's how this thing got set up. So uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm attributable to, uh, to your persistence. So that's great. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, you, know, um, you know, I grew up in Iowa in a uh, small rural uh, farming community. Um, my uh, family wasn't in the farming world, but uh, a Dutch enclave, Oster is a Dutch name. And uh, my parents were immigrants. My mom immigrated uh, with her parents and uh, started out in New Amsterdam, New York, and then kind of made their ways across the United States. There's different, like a lot of ethnic groups, different settlements. So people in New York, people in Pennsylvania, Western Michigan, Iowa, South Dakota, et cetera. And, um, you know, my parents, um, hardworking, religious, uh, couldn't, you know, uh, find better parents. Uh, they were the oldest of their families, um, so they were required to work. And so neither one of them had the opportunity to have any, uh, you know, little of any education. And um, you know, it didn't really impact me growing up, but, um, you know, they probably would say that, you know, second, third grade is about all they, they had the opportunity. And in fact, my father, I think until he was 18, he worked as a hired um, hand on a farm and the money went back to his parents. So very different sort of um, upbringing for them. Yeah, but uh, I have an older brother and older sister. You know, in retrospect, we were poor, like many people would say, didn't know we were poor, now that I look back. But, you know, very um, uh, strong, uh, you know, strong faith, strong work ethic. And uh, put a real high priority on education, uh, both for my siblings and myself. So grew up there, and then um, you know spent my uh, early years there. Went to college there, at a, a Dutch um, college in um, Orange City, Iowa, House of Orange, which is Dutch, and uh, Northwestern College, and as a sister school, Hope in Holland, Michigan. And uh, went there, and then uh, went on a path career-wise that started in the sciences, med medical technology, spent um, five, six years for a company out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, traveled as a consultant um, throughout the Midwest to small towns, and then spent a significant amount of time with the public health service hospitals. And then at 30, uh, my wife and I were, um, I was flying on a single engine airplane with a doctor one day, and he asked me what I was going to be doing when I was 50, and I was like in my late 20s at that point. And I remember saying, what? And partly it was the engine noise of the airplane, but partly it was like, what were you asking me? And he said, well, you won't be doing this in five years 
uh, and if you are, you're going to disappoint me. And so what that led to is a variety of career evaluations. We looked at a couple different alternatives. So right at 30, with one child, one on the way, we sold our house, sold our cars, dropped our insurance, um, and moved back into a two-bedroom apartment in Minneapolis, so went back to school at the University of Minnesota, and that started my healthcare career. Wow, wow. What a background. What a, what a great story and progression and uh, just a variety of experiences that have obviously you know transformed you more too but but evolved you to to be in this leadership role and and to you know focus on health and well-being um and, and along those lines to bring us into the present you know randy i, I would love to hear you know it, it, obviously you, you've been so experienced in health in healthcare, and you're you're seeing so much in health you're doing a lot in health today Tell me a little bit about what has your fixation in health or your fascination in health these days. Maybe a little bit of a day in a life of, of things that, are, that you're experiencing and going on um, in your institution or beyond your institution. Just love to hear about the present. You know, there's a, it's kind of funny how things from your past kind of come back, you know, as you go through your career. So a lot of my experience, um, you know, going to public health service hospitals and seeing what was, you know, happening from a healthcare perspective, even the social determinants, you know, which we're big on today, kind of have a, you know, a lot of what I think about and, and saw was I actually saw as a young person traveling to many of the Indian reservations. And really, you know, our view today is, you know, it uh, simply said, you know, we have an unsustainable healthcare model. Um, it's unaffordable for the majority of America. We're on our way to a 20% gross domestic product. Um, we're, um, you know, it's a single cause of bankruptcy. We have, uh, in Americans, we have, um, you know, 85 year olds filing bankruptcy at an all time high, the vast majority related to medical debt. And what we have is, you know, again, what we talk about the tale of two cities, we have some of the best care in the world. And yet when you look at health statistics, um, it doesn't make sense. So in Ohio, for example, we rank very, very low in infant mortality for African-American babies, um, you know, either 48th or 49th. And the question you ask is, well, don't you have good hospitals in Ohio? Well, we have some of the best children's hospitals um, in the country, in the world. And yet, well, why would we rank so low? And it isn't clinical care, it's all these other issues in life. And so what we're finding, and it's, it's very encouraging, is that people are now realizing that, you know, healthy moms, healthy babies, Things like adverse child effects, social determinants of health, and those sort of issues have a much more profound impact on our health and well-being than what we do in healthcare. And the, the problem is we spend $3 trillion on healthcare. We're on our way to $6 trillion. We have an unaffordable system that's going to get more unaffordable. And then we have this huge demographic change in the world relative to 65-year-olds. And really, the idea is we need to remake the American healthcare system it has to be related to social determinants, purpose in life, and those sort of connections, and then the clinical care as well. And we need a new path, a new model. So a lot of our thinking is around that is, these days, is that yes, we run hospitals, uh, we have doctors, um, we have an insurance company. We bought one of the largest post-acute companies um, um, almost two years ago now. Um, they're the largest nonprofit post-acute. And now we look at things very, very differently. We look at it broader. We look at, you know, hospitals can't be the epicenter for health. It has to be an individual and their homes, and, and it goes from there. 
And we really, you know, think we need to rebuild the system over a period of time to really kind of create the system we all want, we all need relative to our own health and well-being. I love it. I love it, Randy. And um, can you, in, in that rebuilding or that reimagining process of the of the system and, and what you guys are doing and how you're doing it, um, you know, the structure that you're doing is pretty interesting. I'd love to hear a little bit more deeper a day in the life or maybe another example or two on how you're reimagining that process or rebuilding it. Um, maybe one or two examples if you could cite or maybe some potential future plans that you have in sure. mind. Yeah, so today we are screening our patients for the 10 social determinants of health mm -hmm. um, and doing interventions. Um, we are also screening our employees, and we're working with several employers to screen their employees for the social determinants of health and life purpose. And it's our belief that, again, if you're going to look at somebody holistically, you can't just look at them clinically. Right. You need to look at all these social issues in life. And, uh, you know, we really... Um, in, Somebody's fault. It's just the way the American healthcare system has evolved. We've done a very poor job in equipping our caregivers, people who've spent years of their lives learning to take care of people. We haven't given them the tools to really take care of the whole person. And, uh, you know, so we're been spending a lot of time on the social determinants, the importance of social determinants. The fact is that we all need to pay more attention and screen for them both on a clinical side and a hospital side and a patient side, but also for employers and looking at things that impact our employees on a day-to-day -day basis. And also, you know, the social underfunding of the United States, spending more time on that. So we've been advocating um, for a couple of years now about a national commission on health um, that would actually look at a new model of care for the future because we're on this path that nothing's going to change, um, you know, we talk about value-based purchasing. Well, I think we're finding out value-based purchasing doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about surprise billing. We're talking about transparency. Transparency into bills you can't afford. And so this idea here is that we need to pivot to a new model. And it has to be based on the home. So we're making a lot of investments in home care, in health care at home. You know, a lot of technology exists today to do health care at home. And we feel very, very strongly that that's the future of health care. And creating a model where you start at home with, you know, highly home-based, technology-based, consumer-based that allows you to access services that then ultimately the last step of the process needs to be that you go to a hospital. The problem is the model we've created many times that's the first step. Mm -hmm. And that's an unaffordable step. And so I think what happens is it's what we all want. I think it's all what we intuitively think. And so I think we've been investing in hospital at home type technology and we're standing up a, a monitoring center uh, right now to be able to monitor and take care of people at home. Um, we're spending a lot of time with employers on the social determinants of health. And so I think those are a lot of the areas we're working on right now, in addition to doing the traditional clinical things. But really the idea here is to integrate all that and then be able to think about that as we age in life. And so healthy aging is another piece of the puzzle we think about as, as we um, get older and as our communities and our, our country gets older, how do we provide this depth of services at people's fingertips? And uh, no one has done that uh, in a really, there are a lot of pieces and parts, but creating this integrated system. So we spend a lot of time thinking about how we could create that. And, when we took over this HCR Manor Care, this company we acquired uh, almost two years ago, 
Uh, we went from being a small Midwestern regional system to now having facilities in 28 states. So it makes us think very differently about kind of who we are, what we're about, what we want to do, and how we kind of, kind of our point of view of how we think the future should be. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Now, Randy, lots, lots to unpack there, uh, but we only have so much time on the episode. But what I would love to do, and so along those those lines of you know what the future should be, um, tell me where this is all going. Tell me about, uh, or I guess said another way, right? Tell me about the future, uh, according to Randy, <laughs> of health. Yeah, you know, I think the folks that we work with here, I think we see, we see, uh, you know, what we love to see is Congress create some sort of uh, commission to really look at the future of healthcare, uh, and really more broadly, the future of health and well-being. Um, you know, again, I think it's going to take, you know, um, if you ask people, what's the model for healthcare 10 years from now, everybody looks at you. And really what we're looking at is things on an incremental basis. So we really need to fundamentally rethink where we want to be 25 years from now. And again, it's going to continue to be unaffordable, and we want to give t- people time to prepare. But it's really, you know, um, I don't want to go to the hospital. You don't want to go to the hospital. I mean, we really, um, we have the ability to, you know, um, people like yourself and people that are doing great work in a variety of companies, we have the ability to build a different model. And it's just, we need to kind of articulate that, think through what that would be. And again, it goes back to healthcare at home. So if you think about an individual, you know, what I'm cared for, um, I want people to look at my health, my mental health, you know, the type of things that impact me relative to life purpose and, and being connected to some important parts of life. And then, oh, by the way, I want you to look at me clinically, mm. genetically, and, and you want to be looked at on a, on a whole basis, but I want to do that on, on my time and my place. And as I age, you know, having services available to me at my footprint or at my fingertips and being able to, to access things easily and quickly and really build health more around the individual, not the idea that I'm a patient. So you got up this morning, I got up this morning. I didn't think of myself as a patient, but, you know, thinking about, you know, my health, I fell a couple weeks ago, broken rib, I'm worried about that. So I think it's building that out. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really then it's this healthcare at home model in, in, in a perfect world your healthcare would be delivered at home. And then when you need care, it would be increasing levels of care. Your doctor's office, urgent care centers, perhaps turning skilled facilities into kind of low acute care type of settings at a, at a much more lower cost point where you need to be monitored. And really using our hospitals as high tech centers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and only for people that are critically ill that really need that. But we have so many people in the American healthcare system that really don't belong there from a cost right. standpoint. And, and that's the model that we need to create. So if we, we you know, incentivize, align incentives to really use technology as it exists today, it's just not widespread, to be able to monitor people, to put resources at their foot, at their fingertips, to send footprints, um, at their fingertips and really allow them to access care as they need it. That's really the, that's the model we all want. And, um, you know, I just don't think we, um, as a country, we haven't done it. No one has such a large footprint that they go, like, we can impact all of that. And because you got to integrate all these pieces and parts. And really, to us, it's really going to take kind of a cooperative movement between um, Congress, 
um, people in the industry to, you know, think uh, thoughtfully, think through what we pivot to, not tomorrow, but it might be a couple decades from now, so people have a time to prepare, make the right decisions economically along those lines, and really put a stake in the ground for 20, 25 years from now, if this is where we're headed. So let's all start to align incentives to get there. Randy, I love it. I love it. And it, it's great to see, I mean, you're not doing a literal flipping of every constraint, but you know, you're, you, it does, it's, it's a blessing to hear how you're turning the tables on some of these constraints that we've seen in the system, um, but you're executing upon it and, you know, you're really paving the way for, you know, health at home, right. You know, telemedicine. Um, and I love the layout of, you know, optimizing where patients should be and helping them heal in the best ways possible that are, that are holistic, that are modern and, and the, the flow that you're providing through your organization, Randy. Um, um, let me ask you, so I, I know you were, were um, your, your schedule's so busy. And so I, I just had kind of uh, one last question for you. Um, you have seen so much in healthcare, you do so much in healthcare and obviously to be a leader, as you and I know, uh, it takes a level of resilience and uh, to stay stay in prime condition <laughs> to deal with what you do every day, right? Um, tell me a little bit about what keeps your engine going. You know, maybe a one or two daily habits or, or, or weekly rituals you do to stay, you know, in tip top condition and, and well being focused. You know, it gets harder every year. I won't say that. You're, you're, <laughs> you're much younger than I am. Uh, you know, I've uh, I've always worked out. Um, I've always been, uh, uh, as, you know, as good physically as not mentally. Um, I've had some joint issues, so I'm not able to run anymore. But um, my goal is to walk 16,500 steps a day. Uh, that's about two hours of walking a day. So um, plus, um, I still do a lot of. Um, I lift weights to keep tone. I do a lot of TRX. Um, you know, I think one of the beauties, um, you know, people will comment I'm on my phone a lot, but it's my life. I mean, it's, um, I love it because you can go from interesting stuff on Twitter to reading an article to looking at a little work, looking at sports, talking to my family. And it's the amazing, uh, you know, the ability to learn. I find more articles these days on Twitter than anywhere else. I mean, mm -hmm. if I wasn't looking at Twitter, I mean, where can I skim, you know, articles from the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, you know, the papers in Los Angeles, uh, stuff coming out of Stanford, or and then a whole variety of topics. You know, the ability to learn and keep fresh and think of new ideas. I think it's just an exciting time. So I think, you know, this whole idea of taking good care of ourselves, um, I'm putting a higher priority on sleep than I ever before, um, you know, eat, um, you know, my, my wife and I live off vegetables these days and, uh, you know, um, and really try to modify our diet. And again, it's just this whole notion of trying to think health and well-being at all ages and, uh, you know, making those adjustments, you, you know, I used to run a lot, I can't because of joints can't run anymore. So now it's like, all right. Uh, now I walk and um, and do ellipticals and things like that. So I think that's this whole idea of healthy aging, keeping fresh, keeping engaged, having you know um, you know uh, people ask me when I'm going to retire. You know, I'll steal a line from my dad and a good friend. I'm not going to retire. I'm going to do some other things. And I think that's this notion of life, keeping engaged, maybe doing different things in life. But the idea isn't to retire. The idea is to look for a new challenge, look for a new way to contribute, new way to learn. 
And, um, you know, I think for a lot of people, that's what keeps them fresh. That's what keeps them going every day. And, uh, you know, just given the way the world is, there's a lot of exciting things to learn and there's a lot of exciting things to do. I love it. I love it, Randy. No, and it's great. It's great. It's so important to move, you know, eat fresh food and, and, and do all the things that you're mentioning. It's exciting to see that, you know, of course, that you're practicing, you know, what, what your system and organization is preaching, which is, which is, uh, you know, this balance, this, you know, mind, body, spirit element. But, uh, Randy, I just want to say it was great having you on our show here. My very, very last question for you is if our listeners would like to interact with you on social media or potentially reach out, say amen, or just say hi, support what you're doing. What would be a good way to, to reach out to you to, to say hi or interact with you on social media if you'd like any of that to happen? Yeah, you know, I, I look at also uh, social media. Um, you know, I'm a big Twitter fan. I'm a big LinkedIn fan. Those are, those are my two favorites. I check Facebook when I'm on an airplane, when I'm bored. <laughs> uh, and uh, outside of that, those, you know, um, probably the best ways to interact and uh, love to have people reach out if they've got some thoughts or want to share some ideas would love to uh, hear from folks super super well Randy this was great I really appreciate your story your background what led you to become your pers- the person you are uh, the tremendous uh, impactful work that you're doing currently that is also setting ourselves up for in your system and your surrounding communities and your clients and your patients uh, you know, for, for a very interesting future and for, you know, a healthier future. So I want to say thank you so much for peeling all time to do this with me. And to our listeners out there, this is the Pop Health Show. The show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Randy, again, thank you so much. This was great. Great. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you so much. Thanks.